0: You are listening to Inside Healthcare, a podcast presented by NCQA. Hi, everyone, and welcome again to our special limited series, Inside Healthcare, The View from the Summit. I'm your host, senior multimedia producer, Dave Smolar. We are live this week from the floor of NCQA's Health Innovation Summit, jam-packed with trainings and discussions on all aspects of digital health and health equity. All this week, I'll be posting mini episodes with clips and short interviews I recorded with healthcare experts at this year's summit. In this mini app, we hear from my quick but informative conversation with the head of the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center Health Plan, Diane Holder. Ms. Holder brings over 30 years of health care and health insurance expertise to her role leading the health insurance enterprise of UPMC, one of the largest integrated delivery and financing systems in the nation. As president and CEO of the UPMC Health Plan, as president insurance services and as executive vice president of UPMC. Ms. Holder provides the strategic leadership and operational direction for a family of health insurance and benefits management companies, offering coverage and benefits management to over 4 million members. As one of the nation's leading centers for academic and clinical innovation, UPMC... In partnership with the University of Pittsburgh, is changing the paradigm for how clinical care is delivered and financed, improving clinical outcomes for patients and strengthening affordable high-quality insurance coverage for the communities it serves. The health insurance companies are recognized nationally for high quality and exceptional service. Ms. Holder appears at the summit this year as part of our C-suite leadership forum panel. She was kind enough to join me this afternoon to talk about health care quality and value-based care, as well as the two pillars of the Health Innovation Summit this year: health equity and the digitalization of health. But first, it's good to know that for someone who spent so many years attending healthcare conferences, NCQA is apparently doing it right.
1: So I always judge a conference by the energy. Yeah, how much energy is in the hallway? How much energy are in the questions? How excited are people to? You know, how well filled are the audience seats? And this is great. I mean, that's one of the things that you can really see here. There's a lot of energy. I think in part it's because it's a good combination of conversations, uh, and there's good speakers here. But I also think that people are so tired of being mostly virtual. And I think that, that there's a real opportunity to connect in the hallway, have the extra conversations. And I, I think that's making this, this summit a really, uh, a really great experience.
0: So the panel that you're involved with at the summit um, is titled C-Suite Leadership Forum. And I, I can't imagine why. <laughs> but for the C-suite leader, for this forum in particular, we have Amy Perry. We have uh, Dr. Jaywan Roo, John Glazer, and our president, uh, Peggy O'Kane. Um, there's a number of topics that were, mm-hmm. that were up for grabs uh, in talking about. It. But really, if you took the different tracks for the summit and kind of whittled them down, or in, in my mind, if you whittled it down, on the one hand, we're talking about digitalization of health or finding digital services we could use to incorporate into health. Uh, And on the other side, we're talking about health equity, bridging the gaps, or we should say solving the gaps in in health equity. So tell me first um, about healthcare quality and value-based care for you.
1: So if you look at the conversation that's been evolving for a very long time in the nation, it's how do you move away from a fragmented health delivery system that our fee-for-service model seems to reinforce. We are basically at what four trillion now plus dollars uh, every year spent in healthcare. Uh, we also know that our quality outcomes as a nation in healthcare are not great, and the health status of the population is not anywhere near as good as it could be when you compare it to other, you know, equally financed nations. And so I think that we have reached this kind of tipping point of frustration almost. And the pandemic, I believe, accelerated uh, visibility and consciousness raising, attached to a lot of the cracks that are already there. Uh, Why did some people get care? Why did some people not? Why, uh, Why did some people not understand the issues? Why did some people get them? What happened to essential workers versus other people? Why, when you had these pre-existing conditions, were you that much more vulnerable? Just a lot of issues that surfaced. And so when I look at the concept of value-based care, I think, well, what does that really mean? And I actually love what, um, what was said at a meeting I was at recently by the head of the RWJ Foundation and talking about value-based care. And he said, well, before I wanna talk about value-based care, I wanna talk about values-based care. Because I think that so much of what we're talking about in however we pay for things reflects the value system of our society. And I think if you're really talking about a value system that respects and incorporates uh, thinking about people more holistically, you would start to think, how do I actually improve uh, using holistic models and methods? And in the broadest sense of the word, I think value-based care can do that.
0: You know. It- if you thought of healthcare as a business, and it, there has to be a business size and there has to be an, an industrial side to it. But still, I like to think that regardless of all of that, healthcare has to be altruistic. We're empathetic, sympathetic as much as we can be. So it, it always reverts back to that. You're going to be talking about, or you were talking about the, uh, the ecosystem, looking at healthcare as, as an ecosystem. And um, and incorporating digital services into mm. that. So, tell me about that.
1: So, you know, digital services are are important. They're very important. Um, but why are they important? And so, I would answer that question by saying that when you look at all the problems in healthcare. Right. Many of them can be boiled down to, you know, people don't get access at the time that they need the service they need. Um, Care hasn't moved upstream very much. A lot of people end up waiting a long time uh, or not even knowing they should do anything about whatever it is they have a problem with. Um, So what does the world of digital do? Well, does the world of digital help us close that gap? Does it make it more imminent? Does it make it more immediate? Uh, Does it make healthcare more accessible? I would say yes, it can, potentially. Um, But it could also make healthcare more alienating. So I think that there's a need to think about the digital world in a human framework. And what is the human framework of the digital ecosystem that adds to healthcare? Um, you know, we all have experienced over time the, the introduction of the electronic medical record, right, which everybody says is going to free everybody and make it great. Well, lots of people now they go to the doctor and the doctor looks at the computer and not the patient, right, looking up, the, you know, facing, <laughs> facing away. Um, and you know, physicians don't necessarily always think it's been their best friend. How does technology become your friend? And I think digital, in the broadest sense of the word, could be improvement in access but it also could be improvement in health literacy, use of materials and information at your fingertips that's very different. And I think digital also has the potential to ex- you know, kind of extend the human being. So I could maybe do a coach-assisted digital tool. So for example, um, we developed a tool at UPMC, an application that's part of a program uh, called RxWell. Uh, RxWell is an application that is coach assisted, so I can get a health coach if I'm for a whole bunch of conditions, diabetes or my depression, anxiety, I want to lose weight, I want to stop smoking, right? We see in the literature most just plain old digital things don't really work. People don't stick with them, they don't find them engaging enough. We find actually with this tool, because it's both the blend of a human being that you're connected to, as well as a digital capability on material information, evidence-based program, um, it actually has been very helpful, and people have been very positive about the outcomes.
0: Yeah, one of the issues that we've talked about on the show in terms of health equity is um, gaining the trust, regaining the trust of the people who need care, that there's some communities. If you move services back into that, where you offer them some kind of service, even if it's remote care or something like, or, or something that's digitally based, we might be at the point where we just it, it, it doesn't make a difference because people aren't coming to us. I think you're on the track of of finding ways of encouraging people yeah. to to come back. It's it's an attitude change. There's a, a psychological change that we need to snap to convince people it's okay to take care of yourself, and that we're talking to you on a human, le- I know it's digital services, but we have a human level, and, and we're trying to establish a relationship one-on-one, and I, I, I think you're Yeah, right,
1: well, right. I think most, well, I'm biased, of course, but, but I think most things are relationship-based in the world, and um, trust is a core component. And whether you're seeing that person in person or, uh, you know, at a distance, uh, or the tool that you're using is connected to some framework you either do or don't believe in, um, I think it's it's very important. And I think there's been a lot of trust erosion, especially in communities of um, color. Um, you know, it's not like before the pandemic everything was rosy in terms of this dynamic.
0: Right. So anything going on with UPMC that you'd like to like to tell us about?
1: Many things are going on at UPMC. (laughs) So many things. So, um, yeah. So it's it's like, you know, we, like every system in the country, are experiencing all the implications of the pandemic and the workforce issues, whatever. Um, But I think that for me, there's still a lot of... uh, hope and energy that to be able to, as we come out of this, to learn lessons from it, um, to really look at where we have opportunity to get in front of some people who are just not so eager to manage their care, not so eager to manage their health, and really try to make it easier and more adaptive. I do think we're in a a journey right now on the use of data, so we've created, uh, you know, a. Big center that is between the University of Pittsburgh and UPMC and Carnegie Mellon to really manage big data and really to use data to be more helpful to people, Um, genomics, uh, trying to understand what we can learn through all these mechanisms that allow us to see into the future, especially as we look at different medications and sort of that concept of the N of one. Um, What works for me may not work for you. How do I tailor it to you?
0: President and CEO of the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center Health Plan, Diane Holder, reminding us how best practices in healthcare should always be focused on the individual. More mini episodes coming this week as we continue our View from the Summit series on Inside Healthcare. On behalf of the award winning NCQA Communications team, I am Dave Smolar. We'll see you again, no doubt. You've been listening to Inside Healthcare a podcast brought to you by NCQA, the National Committee for Quality Assurance. Inside Healthcare is available on your computer or mobile device through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and on our blog at blog.ncqa.org forward slash podcast.